You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. Today we remember and give thanks to God for St. Michael and all angels. But what exactly are angels? Well, I can tell you a couple of things that they're not. Scripture is pretty clear that they're not the souls of the departed who have gone on before us. Nor are they chubby babies that have little wings that sit on clouds and play harps. So what exactly does Scripture say about angels? Well, from Daniel chapter 12, we learn that angels, like St. Michael especially, have charge over the people of God. As the, Hebrew of, of, as the author of Hebrews writes, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? In the Gospel lesson, we learned about how God the Father sends His angels to care for little children, and that these angels see the face of the Father in heaven. And in the Epistle lesson, from the revelation given to St. John, we learned about how the angels warred with Satan and his demons and cast them from heaven. According to their office as God's messengers, They delivered the word of God to the prophets of old. That's why we have the Old Testament. They were there at Jesus' birth as they sent the shepherds to the manger and they sang, Glory to God in the highest. After Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the angels came and they ministered to him. And then finally, when our Lord overcame the sharpness of death, they were the heralds of life's victory to the women who came to the tomb that first Easter morning. Dear friends, angels have no small place in the kingdom of heaven. Nevertheless, you are more blessed than they. The Son of God, begotten of the Father from all eternity, has taken on your human flesh. He suffered and died for your sake. When you repent and believe the gospel, that's all the reason the angels need to rejoice and to praise God in heaven. But not all angels are the same. We know that some of the angels despised God, and they seek to drag us human beings down into the depths of hell. But don't be afraid. Against Satan and his demons, the Lord's angels fight, and they keep you from the full brunt of Satan's fury. By their ability to overcome the ancient dragon, they keep us in, in the protection of this holy Christian church. And you know, the, the way that they're able to do this isn't by any sort of special power or might on their own. Their ability to overthrow the evil angels and Satan himself comes from the same place that makes you all beloved children of God. Because it's today, dear friends, that we learn that Satan and his hosts are conquered by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, dear friends, they are conquered. They are cast out of heaven. But Satan's little season continues here on earth. St. John writes, But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And what this means for us is that the war continues. And it's going to continue for as long as the kingdom of God in this world contends against sin and the 
sin and death. Now, because we're at war, we need to know something about the attacks of our enemy and how he works. Well, Satan's attacks come in two ways. Either he and his demons try to convince us into thinking that they don't exist at all, or they're going to try to convince us of their overwhelming power and might. Now, both of these things, even though they seem to be completely contradictory and opposite of one another, strike at one thing in particular, and that is faith that we have in the Word of God. Now, how is it that they lead us away from thinking that they even exist? Well, you hear this all the time from the more educated voices in the world. They say that angels and demons can't possibly be real because you can't put them underneath a microscope to study them. Well, fair enough. The scriptures do indeed teach us that they are immaterial spirits. But since when have we thought that the only things that are actually real are those things that we can actually see and touch? Well, dear friends, as soon as our society has decided to ignore the authority of God's word, it has no more reason to believe in angels than it does to believe in God himself. And so seeing the grandeur of this universe, they convince themselves that it's all a coincidence. They don't have any room in their minds for a loving creator who brought all things into existence. And if you ask them the question, hey, why do we have all this stuff around here as opposed to nothing? They'll tell you, stop asking questions. But now Satan has the world where he wants it. Without a creator, there isn't a creation. The universe becomes a brute and meaningless fact. The structure and the order of creation is replaced by the devil with a perception of chaos, of a universe that's fit to be made of what humans want it to be. In this way, governments and temporal authorities are met with rebellion and contempt. The institutions of marriage and the family are mutilated and despised, and even the lives of little children in the wombs of their mothers are called non-existent. In short, the devil wants to take the things that God has created and called good and then call them evil. In return, the evil of sin is exalted and this world is led away into a culture of death. But on the other hand, it's true that as much as we hear that, there's no such thing as an intangible, invisible world of of spiritual things There's something about us, right? There's something about us that just can't shake it. We think there has to be something more out there. And the devil uses this too. And it's especially in these places that the devil will exalt himself and make himself seemingly a powerful god. And it's all kind of a sick joke. Because while the world tells itself there is no... God. There is no devil. There are no angels. It indulges in the fear-mongering of the occult. Because think about it. How often do you watch horror movies coming out of Hollywood that display the word of God, priests and pastors is completely ineffective against demon possession or witchcraft? And how often have you heard of or, or even seen 
the demons appearing in the forms of ghosts to both terrify people and to give false hope of an afterlife outside of the promises of the gospel. But dear friends, the most insidious of Satan's displays of counterfeit power happens within a Christian's own mind, within your conscience. Because it's there that he sets up shop and diminishes your trust in the gospel. That Jesus can save a sinner like you. And so he's going to bring to mind all of your most shameful sins and then say, there's no way that God can love you after doing that. The forgiveness of sins, you're not good enough for that. He'll try to keep you out of church by pointing to the church doors and saying, you don't even deserve to go through those doors. You see, he wants you to make yourself worthy enough for God's grace. Satan loves it. He just loves it when you try to earn for yourself a place in heaven. He loves it because he knows it's impossible. Satan knows full well that no one is going to be justified by the works of the law. And so he'll use the law to his advantage, just as long as you never get a look at Jesus. Dear friends, as long as that we're in this world, these accusations in our conscience will never cease. And when we fall into sin and flee from Christ, we're tempted to trust in nothing else but these accusations. And we think to ourselves, if these accusations are always on the front of my mind, if I always know about them and I can't escape them, how much more so does God the Father in heaven hear them and then condemn me on account of them? But that's a lie. In heaven, the accusations against you have been silenced forever. That's what it means when St. John tells us, and the great dragon was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. It means, dear friends, that Satan no longer has access to God the Father in heaven. St. John writes, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who, has accuses, who accuses them day and night before our God. Your Heavenly Father does not and will not hear Satan. Jesus has led his angels in battle against Satan and his, and his demons, and they never stood a chance. And now Jesus sits at the Father's right hand. His enemies have been made his footstool. And where Satan once stood and said, Oh, righteous God, you must damn this person, for he is a sinner. Jesus says, Oh, Heavenly Father, look at this, your dear child, baptized into your holy name. I have covered him with my blood. He is forgiven. You see, the war in heaven was waged without swords, bombs, explosions, or guns. When Jesus led his angels in the offensive against Satan, it was with the sacrificed and atoning blood that was poured out of Jesus' own hands and feet. This war was won with the blood of the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the crucified, has entered into the fullness of his authority and sits at the Father's right hand. And it's there that he will forever advocate for you. He tells the Heavenly Father that His blood has paid the price in full for every single one of your sins. No sin is too great. His blood is too powerful. 
We know the Father has accepted this sacrifice because He has raised His Son from the dead. The powers of sin, death, and the devil are vanquished. And their time of keeping sinners from the joys of heaven are over. Now what about us who still linger in this fallen world where the devil keeps on displaying his great wrath? Well, even as Satan continues to prowl around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, for us Christians his roars are harmless and his teeth have been yanked out of socket. You see, what works in heaven against the devil and his demons also works on here on earth. The blood of the Lamb always wins against the devil's attacks. You, dear friends, have been covered with this blood in your baptism. The same atoning sacrifice that cast Satan from heaven now casts him from your own minds and from your conscience. For you, Christ's blood is an armor that protects from every flaming dart that would seek to throw you away from the confidence you have in the gospel. Now, do you remember St. Paul's description of the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6? All of the things that Paul lists, truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, and the word of God, all of these things are given to you. And you believe them. And where there is faith, where there is confidence and trust in what Jesus has accomplished for you upon the cross, there Satan is silent and he is defeated. This is how God's kingdom comes. And this is how his will is done. Finally, it's no small thing that we heard about in the text. How Satan and his demons are overcome by our testimony. This is what St. John writes. And they, that is, you dear Christians, have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Our testimony is our confession of faith. It is praying, the very words that spring from a faithful heart, and it's daily repeating aloud your catechism. When the devil is assaults you and harasses you with temptations and bodily afflictions, we're given the sword of the Spirit, the very Word of God to use as our weapon against Him. And so take your cue from Jesus as to how to treat Satan. When He, accu when he accuses you, throw the gracious promises of the Gospel right back in His face. When He seeks to lead you away from God's Word, tell Him to get behind you. He's not worth any more time or energy. But of all, above all, dear friends, don't be afraid. Because the devil's little season won't last forever. Our Heavenly Father has set a limit on his mad ravings. And you're not alone in this battle. The Lord has sent his angels to guard and protect you. They're at your side, and they even pray for you. Therefore, give thanks to God for his ministering spirits, who keep the wrath of the ancient serpent at bay. Give thanks that they have been equipped with the most powerful weapon of all, the blood of the Lamb, shed for the forgiveness of sinners like you. To God alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We rise for the blessing. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.